Namaste, motherfuckers. And welcome to Tantric Conversation, episode number 87, Clay Blancet. Uh Clay Blancet is a local writer um, who just put out a book called Avenue of Champions. I didn't say Breakfast of Champions, which is what I keep saying in my head. Avenue of Champions. Uh, I still haven't fucking read it yet. I've got it. I've moved it around my house. I'm like, I'm going to pick this shit up and I'm going to read it. And I keep turning on the television instead. And that's just where I'm at right now, man. And it's like lots of other books are in that pile by um, even more famous writers than Clay. Uh I'm posting this podcast pretty fast on the heels of my last podcast because Ryan and Clay just had a uh, Q&A in-store kind of thing at uh, Fountain Bookstore, and I wanted to sort of uh, have both of these podcasts coincide roughly with that. And um, also having Clay over was definitely based on the fact that he had just put this book out. That's how I got him in here. I think that's why he was willing, but... I've been wanting to talk to him for a while because, honestly, we're mainly friends on Facebook. Uh, when he came over here, it was the first time we ever met in person. And I've been uh, following him on Facebook for years now, probably four or five years. And he's one of the many people that I agree with ideologically overall, but um, don't necessarily agree with uh, like what steps are to be taken or what should be done. And actually, I don't even really know that because I think, he, like he said, he's just kind of fucking around on Facebook. It's just sort of a trolling kind of thing, which um, for a little while I had to unfollow it because it wasn't helping me navigate what's going on in the world right now. And it's really hard for me to divide um, reaction from re- response right now. Especially when I'm not even sure. It's not like I'm saying fake news. I'm not even sure if we really know what's going on and we aren't being fed a political marketing campaign to divide us into camps and keep us wrestling with each other rather than actually exercising our democratic muscles and uh, you know having some real influence on the things that are affecting uh, our country and the world. Uh, every, I mean, most some of the most passionate are spending their passions on Facebook and on social media and not a lot else is getting done. Um, you know, and then there's the other side of like, you know, all somebody gets accused of something, sexual harassment, uh, racism, something like that. And it's a fact. Once it's, once you've been accused, it's a fact and everyone immediately starts responding to it and making it real. And, I'm not saying I don't believe these accusations. I'm saying I need more before I start reacting to it. I need more than just a rumor. And it doesn't seem like most of my peers on Facebook need much more than a rumor to be utterly convinced, especially if they already believe something to be true about somebody. So all of that is to say that I have decided to take social media way less seriously. Facebook, all that shit... Twitter. I'm not, I'm going to have interactions with human beings. I'm going to have conversations with human beings. I'm going to record them on this podcast. And that's going to be my antidote for the frustration, irritation, um, constipation, all the shit, (laughs) no pun intended, that I've been feeling lately. And this was a great conversation. It was really cool to sit down and talk to Clay and may have learned a few things. He reads a little from his book, and uh, 
Uh, it sounds great. I got to fucking pick it up. At least he, you know, he got ten bucks from me for a copy, so that's a win for him. Um, it's Saturday, the uh, January twentieth. Um, I just got dissed by the latest girl I was trying to hang out with, and uh, I don't want your sympathy. I'm just going to talk about it. I don't, you know, it is what it is. I'm uh, I'm exercising my ability to take no for an answer and hear no as a complete sentence, uh, but it still produces that fucking feeling in the gut, in the diaphragm, that demands a response. And, you know, again, I got a feeling right now I'm taking some real space between the feeling and the response to the feeling. Reaction, response, reaction, response. So my reaction to being told no is that sucks. You know, stomach drops out like you go over a roller coaster. That's I, I wanted something different. Don't get it. Okay, take the disappointment. Don't react. You know, come in here in my studio, play a little guitar, talk a little shit into the microphone. It dissipates. You know, that's that's what we call an appropriate response. You know, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I'm like, I don't go out and get drunk. I don't go out and get fucked up. I don't go out and get a fight. I don't give that person a hard time. I say, thank you. May I please have another? So uh, that's where I'm at, man. Um, I, I've been thinking about this podcast a lot, like that it, up to you know, number 87 that we're on, there's a real arc through this thing of me feeling positive about it, me being in love with somebody, me being heartbroken, me being happy, me being depressed, um, me being positive, me being negative. And uh, in, in this really long form, all of these podcasts are a document of uh, my real life. And I don't know if that was what I intended. I mean, I really just wanted to kind of do what my buddy my hero, one of my heroes, Mark Marin does, and just turn on the mic and start talking and see what happens. And I decided to be honest about things, and sometimes I'm embarrassed about it afterwards. But I'm like, no, that's the deal. I, I I'm gonna, <laughs> I committed. I said, put this shit on the mic. I record it. It's got to go up. So, uh, damn, I feel better already. So let's listen to me and Clay talk now. Namaste. Oh yeah, yeah. Don't forget that donate button on the website. Thank you uh, for those of you who hit me up right away after I posted the last podcast. I really appreciate that. Um, I promise it would go to good use if you do decide to put a little something in the jar. All right, let's get on into it. So, Clay, it's it's very nice to meet you in person. It's nice to meet you, sir. We've, I, we've been <laughs> Facebook friends. Three years or more. Yeah, slash, uh, I would say, uh, not frenemies. <laughs> Um, you've, you've done me a couple of solids and steering me away from certain women. So I, you know, I owe you that. I owe you for that. Um, well, giving I, me back history and stuff like that. So no matter our differences, you know, <laughs> and we, we really don't, we just have mild political differences. Yes. And I don't even think they're really differences of value as much as tactic. They're, n- they're not. I just enjoy trolling you occasionally. Uh, <laughs> I think everybody's trolling me. Because I'm, uh, I'm a 47-year-old white male. The entire internet is a troll to me right now. <laughs> or if, if you're not a troll, then yeah, you're easy practice, <laughs> easy target for one. Yeah. You know, the thing I have trouble with is that, I mean, I don't know how much of like, of the being in the rooms thing that you've done. Mm-hmm. Are you, are you cool talking about that at all? A little bit, yeah. 
I mean, the basic idea is about a lot of it is about accountability of your own. Yes. You know, just being like, what what's up with you? Yes. You know, not pointing the fingers elsewhere right. all the time. Keeping my side of the street swept up. That's right. Yeah. And then the, the people, a lot of the people in the room are guilty of a lot of the things that are being doxxed yeah. or, or broadcast or blasted all over the place right now. And right. we are taught, we encourage to have compassion for them, accept them to some degree, you know, right. um, accept that aspect of ourselves, you know? Yeah. You mean like the me, the me too thing that's been going? Well, no, not that specifically, just all of the ways that f- folks can judge the shit out of oh, well. folks for, yeah. you know, moral failings, yeah. you know? And like I, I, my practice has been for the last nine years, not to judge myself or anyone else harshly. Trying that, to, but, yeah. Yeah. But to try and not to, you know, to keep, Try to, you know, stay on top of that shit. Yeah. It's not like free reign, but like at the same time to understand everybody's human. Right. And all of that. Yeah. So, but I mean, with the, politicians have always been exempt from that sort of understanding. Yeah. <laughs> That's, you know, hazard of the trade, I'd, I'd say. Yeah. Um. So you have said before that you're an, you know, an anarchist. Yes. And do you, is that for real or is that trolling? No, no, it's it's for real. It's it's something I've, I've, I don't know. I read a couple of books when I was nineteen, and as an ideology, it's just stuck with me since then. And what is it? Uh, can you? Um, oh, jeez, I wish I'd have known we were going to talk about this. That's, what, that's what's so great about this podcast. Nobody knows what they're getting into, including me. Okay. Um. Well, you know, it would. Hmm. It would require a massive restructuring of society mm-hmm. on a whole not in terms of like society but as the way we think <laughs> like some i've heard and you know to some degree uh, agree with like there should be no more prisons and that the whole prison industry should be abolished and start over um a lot of people can't get behind that that's a huge step mm-hmm. you know um you know we can't even get into socialized health care right. without just hitting the you know hitting a wall immediately. So, you know, as an ideology, it really appeals to me because it, 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 it sort of imagines society as there are no police. We are self-policing. Right. You know, um, there is no state. We, we are our own entity, you know. Um, and it sort of like turns the hierarchy thing on its head. You know, rather than top-down Management, it would be more like bottom up management, which is similar to another, that organization that we were talking about. Yeah, exactly. Really. I think that's one of the reasons why 12 um, step programs appealed to me because there is no there is no boss. There is no wrong way to do it. Right. I mean, there, there there's I mean, if you get fucked up, then you did it, done it wrong. But um, yeah, it that really appealed to me with, when I first when I first got clean. Mm hmm. Yeah, the, the there there are no there are no bosses, there are no rules, there are suggestions, but ultimately yeah. everything is gotta just it, it's it's about actually keeping the individual ego in check and getting people to realize that right. I mean, that's the interesting thing about the anonymity uh, aspect of yes. it to me is most of us, uh, and especially in pop culture, assume that the anonymity is about protecting our identities well, from association with yeah. that, but that's not really the spirit of that. The spirit is to protect it from us. From our egos, from our uh, personalities, because right, right, right. you don't want to know Charlie Sheen, 
was it oh. was or is in AA because he's fucked, you know. <laughs> so then you get the idea that that's what AA is, you know. Right, right. So nobody should be. Well, nobody. There is no president of AA. Right, you know? and there is no spokesperson. There's exactly. no poster boy. There's exactly. none of that shit. I mean, but in some degree, we all are, you know. Right, um, but in in the sense that we, to the degree that we, you're manifesting the principles. Yeah, you know? exactly. So that you're supposed to be mindful of that, right? So try to be, but yeah, it comes back to what you were saying about um, self accountability, right? You know? um, and I think that's where like libertarians mm-hmm. and anarchists sort of get together is that idea of like self accountability, right? And if you're taking care of your side of the street, literally, mm-hmm. if you're keeping the leaves off your roof and right. cleaning your gutters and taking care of your property and all that kind of stuff. And or you get together and you, you help out the little old lady who can't, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But it's such a, it would require such a massive restructuring of really, you know, thought. Yeah. <laughs> um, our belief systems. Well, we that, don't, we don't have enough people that are responsible well, like that? Do you, do you th- I don't know. I don't know. Um, I th- I think. Well, I haven't. Like I said, I haven't. Well, look at the fucking road. Right. All right. Get in. Go out and drive in your truck. Yes. And see how people behave. Yeah. I mean, we used to have a lot of traditions on the road, such as not passing on the right. Uh-huh. And and using turn signals. Right. Right. And, right. <laughs> and there there are all of these things that have just sort of decayed. Yeah. Like I drive up in that ninety five. Oh well, yeah. Like, I mean, ninety five is a. <laughs> It's a bloodbath. <laughs> well, it's, it's every, but it's everywhere. Yeah. So, since none of that's really being enforced, for well, to to some degree, no. But then also, there, you know, you come to a crosswalk, mm-hmm. you don't have to stop. Nobody's going to tell you don't pull your vehicle into the crosswalk. So, um, Joe Schmo can cross with his kid. If you lived in the city long enough, you just know that's just kind of what you do, right? You know, so that so that's like a volunteer, voluntary, um thing that you do for the greater greater good i guess mm-hmm. you know um uh letting people across the street letting people cut in front you know that kind of thing mm-hmm. so i mean uh, there is a deterioration of stuff like that i think there's also like you know an understanding of like if we don't all kind of drive a little okay then we're just all gonna wind up in wrecks well except that say. people are constantly I mean, what I see is people taking lots of chances with that shit yeah, yeah. out there and weaving in and out of traffic at 100 miles an hour. Yeah. And their thinking is not that I want to hurt anybody. It is the ultimate selfishness at that moment, though. I'm in a big fucking hurry. Right. And yeah. I'm going yeah. to take chances with everybody out here because I'm in a hurry. Yeah. That's the thing. And I'm not against the idea. I just see I, I'd love it if everyone was. But it, it seems like it requires yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not even just the organization of our society. It's like humanity would have to step up in a big way. <laughs> yeah, because it seems like human nature, like we're all born fucking 150,000 year old, uh, right. you know, savanna dwellers. Like right. we're born wild animals. Right. And we got to be taught this shit. Well, that's we're taught this this shit. We're taught hierarchies. Yeah. We're taught, you know, this is how things are. And it's like, why are we taught these things? Like there's... um. Um, I forget his name. Shit. He had, he had a, his theory was based on mutual aid and self, um, cooperation in the animal world. Like, Mm -hmm. um, he went, he wrote specifically against Darwinism in terms of the, you know, the, the bigger fish eats the little, and he would demonstrate there's a billion, um, ways out there that different species in the animal world cooperate to, for the, 
to benefit each other. Right. They got the symbiotic thing going on. Exactly. Like the the birds that can eat the, right. (laughs) Alligator's teeth. Right. Um, and he's, he cited like a, a million and one ways. And also like his, his idea of competition, you know, um, he demonstrated that there were more examples of mutual aid in the natural world than there was of comp- competitive. Mm-hmm. And I can't, remember, I can't even remember his name. Um, I should have well, studied f- up. Folks, <laughs> folks can look that shit up. Right. Everybody has the internet. So like as a, as a, as a political ideology, that's, that's where my head is at, mm-hmm. you know, but do I, do, am I going to go out and preach this? No, because I, do I ever think it'll ever come to be? Probably not. Um, um, so like, you know, Bernie Sanders comes along and offers socialized healthcare. That's, that's the guy I'm going to back, yeah. you know, cause that's as close as I think we're going to get, yeah. um, some sort of like pseudo centralist socialist kind of thing, you know? Um, and I, and I try to keep my ideas to myself. I mean, well, I throw it out, <laughs> I throw it out there, but I try not to like preach, um, you know, there's a thing about Facebook, though, is there's a fucking tone implied. Yes. You know, and like, see, I'm. St- this is very interesting because we're talking face to face. There's yes. also this guy, StoryCorps. The guy has started inviting people that have trolled the fuck out of his website mm-hmm. or, or t- tweeted shitty stuff at him to come uh-huh. talk to him face to face. Oh, really? And is this what this is? This you're is you're, get, this is you're getting new. me back for trolling you. This is what this. I'm not getting you back. I just want to find out the, <laughs> the reality behind there, that. Get yeah. eyeball to eyeball with the government. It, it feels confrontational on there, you know, like, Does it? but I'm supplying that. You what? Know? On Facebook? Yeah. I'm, I'm on there spoiling for a fucking fight. Usually, you are. Because like my, my uncle said to me today is like, yeah, that person's talking to you like that because they got, they woke up, got a bite of something, got a taste of something. And now they want you to really? eat that too, you huh. know? And I think a lot of times people wake up in the morning on one side of the bed or the other and start crapping in their feed. Right. You know, and right. Then, sure. <laughs> and then I wake up and, and I start. <laughs> you know, I had a thing today. I just said, like, I hate it now because it's all about Trump. Um, so I just kind of go on there just to sort of get people to laugh. Yeah. And if it's, you know, so if I said if we had like differences, nine times out of ten, it was me just poking fun. Yeah. You know, well, I don't think we really had differences. No, I don't. Either. But, but I, I mean, I pictured you being a lot surlier of a fellow, which is surprise. Like, oh, I, <laughs> well, that, not surly. But yeah, I yeah, yeah. Know, I get it. Know, no, I get it. Um, I guess I am. I nah, know. you look like a sweetheart. I am. Well, I, no, but it's, if I ever hurt anybody, if I knew that I hurt someone's feelings on Facebook, I would go and immediately message that person and say, I'm, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I apologize for that. Well, you know? I think I'm looking, because I have a relatively isolated kind of job. Yes. And I spend a lot of time alone. So I'm looking for some kind of a connection. Well, yeah, Facebook there, is good for that. But I usually don't find that. I usually find, God damn it, so-and-so is at it again, bitching about this, bitching yeah. about that. Yeah. Always with this is same fucking axe to grind, unfollow. Right. You know, right. I very seldom find anything affirming, you know, on there. Um, right. And... Yeah. I mean that's just sort of I guess it's this, this, just the way things are right now. But yeah. I know it's 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 pretty bleak. But yeah. I have started doing the same thing you are, is like trying to be funny or silly or completely non sequitur. Yeah, or just cats and babies, all that shit. Yeah, you know? why not? Because I don't want it to be in denial. But there was, you know, because there's there's stuff that needs to be like we need to stay on top of. We can't like as they say normalize some yeah. of the shit that's going yeah. on. 
But I was listening to a, a show about the First Amendment on the radio yesterday. Uh-huh. And it, it, the guy on the show quoted somebody. I forget his name. John somebody. It, like a Locker or a Smith or one of these mm-hmm. guys, Adam Smith. He said that you don't really need to censor shitty ideas because they're shitty. And if you let them, he didn't say, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Um, you put them in the free marketplace of ideas. Right. You right. heard that before? Yeah, yeah. And they let's, will. Let's defeat them in the, in the market. Rather than punching Nazis, let's, we'll fight them in the, we'll defeat them in the marketplace of ideas, which is Facebook and um, Twitter and Reddit and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, my thing about punching Nazis too is that if I do believe that a person who is like, threatening somebody needs to be stopped you know yeah and of course i mean if we take the germans countries lead with this they nip that shit in the bud yeah immediately well, because of their yeah history well and and in in european countries hungary that kind of thing antifa had been very active for decades yeah um and they get out and confront the uh the fascist right in the streets, and maybe it's not about punching them. Maybe it's just a matter of like outnumbering them in the streets, you know. So, one of the things that occurs to me philosophically, and I'm I'm just as I like explore this, one is that anti mm-hmm. something right. gives that thing legitimacy. Shape. It gives a shape. Right. It, it, it gives it a boundary. It right. gives it a vessel almost. It like helps yeah. give it like context. And I, I feel like if you just let those sh- sh- ass wipes right. like jerk off and right, square right, right, by right. themselves, then right. they don't they they will lose interest in that pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, um, that's 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 a perfectly fine point of view, and and to defeat them in the marketplace of ideas is a is a very valid um, don't even, approach. Yeah. Don't but, even do trade with the motherfuckers. But, <laughs> but for me, and for me. It's like a boots on the ground kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I have always been anti-fascist. Mm-hmm. Like since I read my first um, bit of literature back in you know 1995. Well, who the fuck is pro-fascist, really? Fascist. Well, I mean, <laughs> Trump. Who, who are they? I mean, we we label a lot of people because those are bad words, and they sort of shut down any conversation. Berlusconi. Um, yeah, I mean, but it does shut down the argument because. For me, I won't debate with a with somebody right, so, I can, so we can consider a fascist. Pre- preemptively label somebody that might not be a fascist just because they're bordering on some of those ideas of fascist. Well, it then, depends on how they enter the enter the fray, as it were. Mm-hmm. If somebody comes into my comes into my realm right. and says, "You liberals, this or that," fuck that. I will yeah. not. Com- that's the right. Fascists or no, have used the word liberal. To synonymously with pussy right. for 10 years don't call me a pussy impractical people that don't understand reality exactly I'm on the like, yeah. don't right do not call me that namby pamby intellectuals with, right and I am an intellectual but god damn it I go out and work my fucking ass off yeah. every day of the week you know yeah um, so um, yeah Guys in Charlottesville who throw up the sea Kyle, those guys to me are fascists, and, and, I, and that's dude, that's not an argument. That's right, not an argument right. for me. That's you're wrong. Right. Fucking sit down or, you know, expect a beatdown. Right. In some cases, there's a guy in Sandston. They were they were identifying those guys, and I remember um, one guy had an article written about him because he had um, oh jeez, USS the John F Kennedy something. He had a a Navy, a naval vessels hat, mm-hmm. and um, the Navy members of that, um, God, 
the Navy basically came out and said, no, this is not right. us. We literally fought a war against. Right. <laughs> and somebody told my ex-wife, he told me, this guy lives in Sandston. And we found him and I reported him and to uh, one of those websites that was doxing Nazis because he was in Charlottesville throwing up to see Kyle. Mm-hmm. You know, so to me, that's by any, just about by any means necessary. Do I mean we go out and shoot him in the street? No. But, um, and I'm not saying go out and find a Nazi to punch, but if it comes to that, sure. Yeah. Um, and um, I'm not going to go around and call everybody a Nazi and everybody a fascist, but it has been on such, it's been on the rise so much, I guess for the last 10 years, um, to, be, to be able to have it blossom as it has. Um, yeah. I think part of the reason it's blossomed, though, is it's just the fucking troll it's Dang. a troll nation, yeah. yeah, yeah. But in Charlottesville, they had caches of there? weapons. I was gonna go, and then at the last minute, I was like, I can't take my kids up there. Yeah, we were gonna go with our kids, mm-hmm. me and uh, Summer, and um, my friend Alex. You might know him. Well, anyway, we we're gonna take a bunch of kids up there, and I'm like, you know what? As soon as they marched across campus with torches, I was like, this is not something I can put, you know, yeah. put my kids in that kind of situation. Um, I kind of felt like nobody should put themselves in that situation because if there's nobody there, those guys got nobody to shoot. No, those guys had caches of weapons stored around the the city and they were literally stalking the synagogues. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now, um... Uh, This is something I've not heard. Yeah. um, Oh, jeez. I can't remember her name. Another friend of ours on Facebook, the little guitar-playing Jewish lady. Susan... Oh, uh, Greenbaum? Yes. Mm-hmm. She, she passed along this story from her friends in the synagogue up mm-hmm. there of like, they, you know, open carry guys for the right were outside, you know, and um, the synagogue could not get the Charlottesville police to, to guarantee them any sort of protection. One, some old guy, some old retired vet showed up with a, with a pistol and hung around out front and that may, and the, the thinking is, is that may have stopped them. Like, they were going to charge the synagogue. Wow. I See, I didn't and, hear shit like and, that. And um, that's, Terry McAuliffe... That's a whole different ball of wax. ...actually said... He made a statement about these caches of weapons around the city, and everybody was like, what are we talking about here? Um, battering rams? That kind of thing was mentioned. But then he immediately hushed up about it. And um, it took... I remember having a, a, a thread, a discussion about it that went on for a couple of days. Does anybody know anything about this? Why aren't we talking about this? And um, apparently it took Snopes. <laughs> Somebody mm-hmm. got in touch with Snopes who got in touch with um, the Department of Homeland Security and said, yeah, we found caches of weapons that had been planted before the protests, um, but we're not going to talk about that. We're not, we're going to, we're going to, they, they, they suppressed it, and I, and I see, I can see why because it was such a powder keg after, yeah, after you know um, Heather Meyer got ran ran over, that, um, and I'm, I'm I'm surprised nothing else has come out about that since. Well, that that powder tech keg element, and you know, anarchy in some respects, I guess in, as it plays out in this, is us deciding not to add fuel to this fire and saying we got to like keep it cool on some level because this could get really elevated if every i mean they as much as i don't trust the powers that be yes i also don't trust the average asswipe to do their job instead 
No, know? the police in Charlottesville did nothing. Right. So that's the the the, the, the University of Virginia when when 100 of these guys marched across campus with torches to encircle a fucking church where a black man was speaking did nothing. Cornell West was said basically if it weren't for Antifa they they would have rolled them over him. You know, who knows what they I mean, how is that not a lynch mob? <laughs> you know? I, I, that's not the stuff. I mean, I just I didn't hear that. Like that they surrounded the church. And- they the 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 march, bef- the night before, right, was intended I to. They just were fucking standing by the statue and. No, they marched across campus, beating up kids, macing kids. Um, really? Yeah, like there are a couple of, like little kids out there, like college kids out there, like you know, Black Lives Matter. Fuck you, fashion. This that, and they beat them up. They. There's video of it, and that, and then went to proceed to the church where Dr. Cornell West was speaking. Who knows? I don't know what their intention was, but they encircled it. And Cornell West has said on a, a number of occasions that if it weren't for Antifa being the armed dudes, you know, I think they may have been redneck revolt guys. But if if there had not been someone there, then you know that could have been it. Fuck, man. Yeah. And my, my, my thinking is, in Charlottesville, they came to occupy that city. I think they were trying to trigger their race war that they want. Um, and I think they were, that was going to be their, <laughs> their seat, their county seat of operations of where, cause, because they've been through there three times now. If anybody else said this to me, I would think it was like the left's version of a Jade Helm it's, kind of story. Yeah, it's fucking crazy, right? <laughs> like, yeah, you're, that we're just we're so freaked out by the fact that somebody like Donald Trump's in power that we begin jumping at. Yeah, 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 totally. Ghosts all the time because totally. that's how the Tea Party on the opposite side. Yeah, yeah, you know. But it's a that, reactionary. Yeah, yeah, I try not to be a reactionary right voice. And that's why I think there was so much, you know, build up to the, the, the Lee Monument mm-hmm. um, protests because of... I've been staying away from this shit because I didn't think anything was actually imminent like that. I thought it was just dickheads trying to go out and like as if, as if they were protesting the abortion clinic and you ignore them or you mock them or you leave them, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I agree. Know. I think if they were on that level, Sure. Because I've lived in towns. I lived in towns in the South where once a year the Klan came and sat on the, um, the, the steps of the county seat, you know, did their thing. And I was like, oh, that's the fucking Klan, man. And, I'm, and then it was like, what am I going to do? Go, let, they've got as much right um, to, to voice their opinion as anyone else. But it's, it's, it's something's changed. Yeah. You know, that's, and that's why... That's why there's people who are coming out who are identifying as Antifa, just because it's like they're there to fight these guys, you know? Yeah. And I've been saying since, since Trump started running, Trump, he's a fascist. This is a fascist. His ideas are fascist. He wants to impose a fascist-like um, yeah. regime in, in the United States. And um, I, in, in my mind, it's my responsibility as a as an American, to fight that with every, everything I got. So if that means I'm out in the streets throwing bricks at fucking Nazis, then maybe, maybe it will come to that. I don't know. I don't I mean, know. you're definitely in, I've thought about this shit a lot. And yes, it's, I mean, one of the things that I've been concerned about is I don't want to protect 
their rights. I want to protect my rights and your rights. Sure. And my thinking as a as a political philosopher yeah, is yeah. that if we 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 let these motherfuckers talk because we if we kick their asses for saying shit, then they can kick everyone else's asses for saying shit, and suddenly right. everybody can get their ass kicked for talking. And well, that anyone can anyway. I mean, those are just. Right. I mean, if you were to come free, and if you were to say a certain, if you were to say to me right. a certain amount of things, I could either accept it or say, fuck you, Curtis, Truly, come out of the chair. <laughs> freedom of speech really is only a governmental thing. It's only it censored. It doesn't have anything to do with. Well, if it's, only, it's only censorship is state based. Right. If me the saying. The shall make no provisions limiting. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's so like, yeah, Milo Yamanopoulos. Uh, wants to speak at the University of Texas, they have to let him, Mm -hmm. you know? And so he goes and he speaks. And if there's like 50, 100 kids outside throwing firecrackers at him, that's not not oppression. That's not censorship. That's fuck you. We're going to shut you down. That's the marketplace of ideas. Exactly. We're going to shut you down any way we can. Um, You know, Style Weekly, my friend Jack Cooksey got in such a mess yeah, he's a good friend of mine too. Oh yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. He's a great guy. He is. He just I, <laughs> that was just. A I guess he just. Ass. I think he. Well, I don't. I they think, literally cut and pasted the comments from an online thing. I think. And they didn't read them because the guy whose job it was to shut that shit down. Really? This, these were not letters sent to the paper. Oh, they weren't. No, these were comments on a thread on an article on their website. Oh. And they often cut and paste comments yes. from that. And use them as letters to the editor. Oh, okay. And the guy whose job it was to, to vet that shit was uh-huh. on his way out oh. and was asleep at the wheel. Oh. They fucking, they cut and pasted this shit. It did not get the proper, you know, vetting, vetting that yes. it was supposed to get. And they were, it's fucking deadline, all this shit. Right. Nobody intentionally printed that like, hmm, this is a compelling letter. Yes. That was not the thought, editorial thought or. I thought, well, if, <laughs> even if Jack put it out there, it's, it's more of the marketplace of ideas. Right. Here this is. Right. I thought that was my justification of well, Jack's a good guy. How could he do this? Of that was this is what we're looking at people, you know. This is what this That would be a charitable way to I mean Well, but for the Times Dispatch where the you know, right, they got that, the Yeah. You know, they run questionable stuff in my mind anyway they all the time anyway. History exactly that, of yeah. potentially racist um, articles and, and stuff. And Styles just got a history of fucking up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean <laughs> It's style. There How really can you... isn't. There's not some agenda there. It's, it's yeah. It's like it, your cousin. You're like, oh man, what yeah. did, you, did you really? And it's whatever. And we used to. I you know I worked for Punchline. I wrote for you them did. back then. Oh, yeah. Wow. And, and so it, they were they were just like the square yeah. thing, you know. And it's <laughs> right. just Punchline you know. was great, man. I wonder what Punchline would be like today if it had, if it had, if it, it would had be made harder it. to do. I think we were kind of joking about that on on Facebook recently because somebody posted some covers. Yeah. And it definitely had a sense of humor that involved, you know, just kind of, I mean, it was basically mocking everything. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, I mean, you think of the stuff that Robert Crumb did back in the mm-hmm. 60s. That's sort of the same, but that's like a political, that's a political force, mm-hmm. you know? Is it, For me, it was a different context as I think of the way Richmond was then. Mm-hmm. Um there was nothing very much cool here. Like there was a very, very small, right. not nothing, but you know, everybody, no. the, the people that were at all countercultural to the 
the, the crushing homogenous bourgeoisie <laughs> that, that inhabited the you know basically encircled VCU right. and like Oregon Hill and yes. and the fan those they were so obviously lame and backwards and whatever yeah. and, and there was only some ex art students and a few bands yeah and you know they're really so punchline was just basically like you know yeah yeah hey let's like, do this fuck, yeah. you know all there's so much mediocrity let's we'll be this voice that's like and i i didn't come up with this i just wrote for him but uh-huh. yeah i mean the idea was like there's nothing like this in town let's have something like this yeah. you know and but rich there wasn't all of these nuanced um cells of opinion and politics and yes um like theory and all yeah, that. yeah, it was just basically, hey, we're the cool ones here, and the, everybody, we're the art students. And Let's we're surrounded yeah. by douchebags. We'll yeah. just be funny and yeah. whatever. And really, nobody, everybody was on the same side that was reading it, basically. Yeah. You know, yeah, because they were out to to kill us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I looked down the street from a frat house, and yeah, they mm-hmm. they did not like me. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, I, we went to war with those guys, you know. Um. Anyway, the Sochas and the uh, what were the outsiders? They they called the the preppy gangsters the Sochas. I don't know. And then I forget what they they were the greasers, the greasers and the. Oh yeah. But there was Theta Zeta down on um, main on um, Carey Street. Street. Yeah, yeah. there's that little row there. Mm-hmm. See, I always thought. Did that, you ever hang out with? No. I mean, I hung out up the street at uh, you know Daryl uh, Hayden right from Waynesboro. He, yes. He. Well, I lived on Parkwood around uh-huh. the corner on 1200 block of Parkwood. And then a bunch of Waynesboro guys lived yeah. on the corner of like, I don't know, across from where the convenience stores that used to be Chop Suey Books and right, right. a Chop Suey restaurant yeah, yeah, at one yeah. time. They lived on that corner. And like, yes. so, you know, there was a, basically a, a Alterna. Yeah. No, those Waynesboro guys. They, drunk, they, the drunk frat. They, like. they freak. They, they, they'd show up and I'd leave because mm-hmm. I'd gotten it. No, for real. <laughs> they were wild. Mm-hmm. And I heard all the stories. And I don't know. I got into talking shit with a couple of them one time. And I was, I, I would. I was afraid of those guys. <laughs> they, they, they frightened. So me. they seemed more. I mean, I, I was never afraid of them because I knew. Well, them you were in well. friends with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, that just seemed bigger than that little frat row to me. Like uh-huh. it seemed like at VCU, that little frat row wasn't big enough to be a problem. But right. but I never yeah, went yeah. anywhere near those guys, and I, except to go to Crazy Charlie's for two for one oh, yeah. uh, shots God. on Sunday. Did you ever try that? <laughs> Probably. Remember. <laughs> remember that place was right next to the Seven Eleven parking lot. Uh-uh. It, it was right there at Harrison. It was like some crazy frat, I'm, like yeah, surf yeah, yeah. Beach place. I mean, yeah. oh right. No, like the bamboo. I know I've been in there. Mm-hmm. I just can't Don't remember. remember. <laughs> yeah, well, that was instant blackout at Crazy Charles. Yeah, like I, right. The, the one time I did that, I never did it again. Oof. Yeah. You want black blackout around those guys? either the the waynesboro kids yeah sure no <laughs> you wake up with a shaving cream all over your yes. fucking face yes um so i like i'm really enjoying talking about this shit but i'm really curious about your novel that you've written yes here partially i'm like jealous because mm. i'm a I, I i'd love to have something like this in my you're, hand and you're a you're a writer relief fellow i've you know the stuff you post is 
Well written. That's the extent of the writing that I yeah. uh, do. You know, this is really takes some, I mean, fuck, good on you for having the discipline. How many pages? <laughs> uh, let me see. 320 something. Jack Cooksey helped me out with a lot of it. Oh, he did? Yeah. The editing? Um, he was going to edit it, but he was more of like just meet. He, he took it on a sort of like a sponsorship thing of like, we're going to meet once. Oh, Jesus. I just outed Jack. <laughs> No, you didn't. Okay. Um, basically, <laughs> mentor. a mentor of like once a month, get together, let's talk. And like, you're doing great, kid. Keep on, keep at it. Um, but yeah, he was, um, there was a few people who told me, like I would come home and this is what I, how I got started. I would come home and get on Facebook and write a line about, um, you know, what I had seen working for the city that day. And a friend of mine, John Holland, um, and then later Jack Cooksey said, Dude, you need to write this, write this, write, write about this. And I had started writing um, short things on my, on my blog, just like paragraphs. Mm-hmm. Like well, I'd, I'd gone to school for poetry and my poetry had turned into like chunks of like paragraph sized things. And then, so I started doing that with, um, you know, events like a day that I'd had working for the city of Richmond on the solid waste department. Um, you were a trash guy? Yeah. That's awesome. I was a trash guy. Well, I, we worked, what I was, um, I was part of an initiative that Mayor Jones did of like, bring on a bunch of people and then filter them out to the different departments. And somehow he changed his mind and scrapped that and we all got fired a couple times. Didn't uh, Bukowski's alter ego do that? Chinaski? Like Chinaski, didn't he? Was he a trash man? Probably, I don't know. Collector at some point? I worked on the big trucks with the, um, with the cranes on them, the mm-hmm. boom, boom trucks. The ones that go out and pick up the, exactly. all the furniture the bulk, people leave out. In the, right, yeah. bulk, brush, bulk and brush. That's what we did. But so I started writing like these things. And, um, you know, Jack and a few other people told, just encouraged me to just, just do this. Mm-hmm. And so um, it was a matter of just um, stitching. Like they, they sort of became like paragraphs that led into other paragraphs. And then I had like others. Then they became like sections and then it turned into like a bunch of post-it notes on the wall of different pieces that I had titles for. And then it was a matter of just sort of like stitching it together in a way that made sense, had some sort of a story arc to it. Um, so yeah, it just kind of grew really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's, that's the part that's overwhelming and daunting to me is reducing the the huge thing down into the little digestible. Right. So you and you just you basically outlined it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. Well, there was so much, and then again at the at the beginning, I would talk about it, and I just get I'd start tearing up. You know. <laughs> Um, because of the awesomeness, I mean, no, it was a horrible fucking job. It was a horrible job. Okay. Um, but I, you know, I cared. It was one of those horrible, awful jobs that at the same time is the best job you ever had, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah. And it was during the, you know, the, the, uh, economic crash, 2009, 2010. So, you know, I was really stressed out. Mm -hmm. Um, but shoot kind of spaced out so you were, it became such a, it was such a huge thing in my mind that i could not envision actually writing the story down i could not see myself putting it down 
and it was just a matter of just a little bit here a little bit there and it kind of, like i said it kind of grew and i had luckily i had enough people encouraging me that i actually it 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 came to fruition you know five years later you know after a while it became like a sick like having a sick relative at home that you care for mm-hmm. like i'd go out and get coffee at the village and be like ah oh, crap i gotta go you know i had to get back home to my <laughs> to my grandmother you know kind of thing. <laughs> well um, i was gonna i mean i'm inclined to like make all of these analogies that i've heard people make about them, but they feel very hollow to me because i have not committed to that discipline of like you know taking on this project and working on it like i would be like let the bitch like you know uh suffocate at home i'm gonna drink my coffee right 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 um and i think that's really i mean it's it seems like childhood or it's like a child like you know giving birth to the child and then raising the child like it's the worst job and the best job yeah yeah exactly all that i'm saying that to say that i relate but i feel like a fucking poser saying it because i i I haven't done the work i you know I, I have thing. always, I have always, I have been, I've always written and I've always, if I don't, if I go a certain amount of time where I haven't written anything, I start to feel really sick. It's, it's. Maybe that's what's wrong with me. It's, well, I mean, if you beat yourself up, you know, <laughs> it's the thing It's like, I will, I'll go and I'll beat myself up. Um, so, but I'm, I'm, I have, um. I, if, if I'm not making something, if I'm not creating something, then I'm not really alive. Mm-hmm. That's just me. I guess I'm just, I'm just an artist. Um, and I made art. I made different kinds of art. Even my, um, my woodworking is sort of a creative endeavor at this point. But, you know, I'd done other things. And I'd done, um, I had a series of drawings that I was doing and had shows and just, you know, started doing this book and decided that's it. I'm going to focus on this. And the book, and my intention for the book was it to be a um, like a landscape painting, a landscape painting of Richmond. Really, is what I've, I've, I've I wanted it to. You know, if I did my mm-hmm. job right, that's mm-hmm. what it is. Um, yeah. Do you want to uh, read me one of your favorite bits out of here? Um, how much I feel time? Like we a, well, I mean, I can read the first got, chapter. Uh, well, that's, how long is that? It is. That might be kind of long if, if it's like, I'm thinking more like, it's about you know, 10 pages. <laughs> Hemingway said if he writes one good sentence a day, he did a good job, you know, and you so know what? Is there anything that like, I'll read I, the first part of the first chapter because right. the first chapter is pretty much broken into two parts. All right. Um, the title of this, this chapter, well, the name of the book is Avenue of Champions. My name is Clay Blanchett. <laughs> this chapter is entitled Begin because that's just what I named it when I first started writing. I never changed any of the titles of any of the chapters or anything else. Um, so anyway. I'm going to shut my eyes while I listen. Okay. okay. The air blowing into the open window was warm enough to warn of the heat to come, but not yet unpleasant. The wipers smeared their way back and forth ac- across the greasy windshield, trying to erase the light drizzle that had begun to fall. The homeless were already busy making their way through the late summer fog, eyes wild and blazing. A group of three staggered like the undead toward the Belvedere 7-Eleven that was behind my old house on Pine. It was almost six o'clock when they started selling booze again. We rolled our small convoy urgently past them 
and got it on further downtown, super cans rattling around in the steel cage that formed the bed of the stake body truck, the bags inside the cans whipping recklessly in the wind. This was, this was supposed to be my weekend with the kids, but since my supervisor had asked us to come in and I'd only start, just started this job, I talked the ex into keeping them for me. Since we'd been together all week, I rode with Carl, one of the tenured city of Richmond guys. I managed to get out of him that we were delivering the supercans to Kanawa Plaza for that night's center stage event. The plaza was like an open wound of concrete nestled in the heart of our city's spare cluster of high rises, spread out over blocks like the rough floor of a canyon. There was no other traffic to worry us, so we stopped sideways in the middle of Canal Street and mounted the curb. As we rolled under the pin oaks ringing the plaza, the sky opened above us, clouds gathered and quick and low, the sun a pale orb that had yet to burn away the morning fog. This is a hard, windswept place, I thought to myself. The stage had been set up with a swoop of canvas stretched over it like skin. I noticed sleeping bodies everywhere, under trees and in the concrete nooks of the pea gravel wall that edged the perimeter. The, the area of canopy over the stage sheltered perhaps 50 or more. Carl nodded at a secondary line of oaks and said, back me up over, them, over to them trees. I hopped out into the rain, pulled my damp gloves off, and waved him on back. I hated the blaring beep, beep, beep of the backup signal. Although every bit summer, there was a chill damp hung in the fog. Most of the men under the blankets along the wall were already sitting upright, awake, and watching us. Eyes peered out, unfocused and staring from every nook. They held no malice, but it was unsettling nonetheless, if they even saw us at all. Unintentionally, I met the gaze of one or two and thought to myself, those people are lost. I tried not to stare back and guided the truck into place. I could feel the rain collecting in my eyebrows. This park had become an encampment. I'd never seen so many gathered in one place before, maybe in New York, but never, never here. Maybe it was because I had been getting up so early or that the job sent us all over it, but lately the city felt like it was occupied by a ghost army. I strode up to the back of the truck and opened the catch. The rusty slab of diamond plate steel that served as a tailgate fell open violently, yanking the chain taut that held it. Finding the toggle switch just under the bed, I lowered it with a hiss of hydraulic release, hating the harsh noise as it broke the silence. The other two trucks pulled up about 20 yards away, the crew unloading, unloaded, putting on hats and gloves, looking a little unsettled by the populace surrounding us. Carl stood on the gate, and I flipped the toggle on, raising him up with an engine whine. He looked around like a hawk on a perch and chewed the plastic of, a, of an extinguished Dutch master protruding past his salt and pepper beard. About halfway up, he told me to hold, then stepped into the back and slid the first three cans down. I rolled them off and slung them behind me. The other guys dragged them away. In this way, I was able to keep up with him perfectly, matching him can for can as he slid them down. Each boom with a heavy plastic sound, empty and clean. We established a perfect rhythm. While the guys at the other truck were in no hurry, standing around and bullshitting, Carl and I got ours unloaded in half the time. Finished, I went over to help out with the other load while Carl got on the walkie-talkie. I had hoped, I hoped that it would be it for the day and that we could go home after this. As he strode off into the pissing rain, I kept an eye on his proximity to the camp. I told myself I had no reason to be nervous for the man, but it didn't help. That's pretty much halfway. I like it. Yeah. 
That's oh. uh, it's very evocative there. The uh, so dropping off brand new trash cans amongst the human refuse yeah. hanging out in Kanawa. Yeah. Back when it was okay to to do that there. Now they've cleaned it's not it up. even there, is it? No, they they've, they've remodeled it and ran them all off. And, and they're building more skyscrapers down there. Yeah, yeah. Do you know that's where like the turning basin for the canals used to be, or right oh, near, really? near there? Yeah, there was a big ass body of water. Oh yeah, yeah. Right there. That was there at the. Yeah, a little maybe just a little north of that where. Uh, right. Uh, th- there's that's a building right. there when they were digging out the foundation for something that's there. They found oh. an old barge or two. Oh wow. For, uh, that's man. cool, man. I like it. Thank you. I will. I will give you the. Ten, I will PayPal you ten bucks for that book. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll even sign it for you. How about that? Are you, who are you reading these days? You reading anybody? No, I've got I've got a book of Camus that I, you know, Albert Camus. Yeah, that I've been trying to get through for twenty years. Um, but when I was re- when I was writing this, I intentionally didn't read anybody because I didn't want to have right. I had my own voice. So five years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Camus. In the past, I've been a big fan of Cormac McCarthy. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Phil Levine. Larry Levis was a buddy of mine before he died. Josh Poteet. You know, that sort of school of um, poetry is where I kind of come from. Um, but, yeah. Ever read any Jonathan Franzen? No. There's you met, Cormac McCarthy, Jonathan Franzen... That's they're like the only novelists that I've I have yeah. managed to read since I was I mean English major almost ruined reading books for me yeah for, yeah yeah like had to read nine per class per semester and it mm-hmm. stopped being fun yeah Dennis Dennis Johnson oh yeah it's a huge hero of mine is he who is Jesus' son they made a movie with oh, yeah, uh, Billy yeah. Crudup mm-hmm. and junkies and stuff like that that's named after the line in the Lou Reed. I, yeah, is I guess that a yeah. Underground song. Yeah, I think Feel it like is. Jesus' son. Yeah, might be from heroin. Right. <laughs> it's a book about heroin, definitely. Well, cool, man. That thanks for coming over here. I really, yeah. uh, I enjoy getting to have a face to face about the. I mean, I, I'm spoiling to talk about this stuff because mm-hmm. I want to make sense of it. But like, as I'm trying to make sense of what is not really is kind of nonsense right, right. now. Um, I it, I find it difficult to ask the questions I want to ask or talk about the things I want to talk about without somebody feeling like I don't agree with what they're passionate about. Right. And then I find that I'm upsetting people because I'm asking intellectual questions about things that they're very sure about um, from an emotional yeah. standpoint. Yeah. And well, it, yeah, it's yeah. I mean, I'd I'd try not to talk about Hillary Clinton because <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm going to piss off a lot of my good friends. You know, yeah, it's the getting pissed. Like, I mean, this is another thing I've 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 picked up from like trying not you know trying to have some control over the things that used to trigger me. Yes, to do the, the very destructive things is that it's one thing to feel the emotion; it's another to act on the emotion. Yeah, and Mo Carnage wrote something the other day, or maybe I don't know if she I'd, wrote it or she. I had to block her years ago. Yeah. I couldn't. <laughs> Well, she just bless said, her heart. You I mean, can be mad, but you don't got to do mad shit. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and that I feel like we just can we just separate the the response 
from the reaction a little right, bit. Right, right. You know, there's a lot that triggers me. I'm not entitled to act on every fucking thing that no, triggers re- me. And reactionary <laughs> shit is what gets us into trouble every time, being yeah. reactionary, being defensive. And we can't individually. Taking it personally. Yeah, yeah we can't all be um, having the emotional, the world based on our emotional landscape that we want. Like, right. There's something, there's consensus reality we got to get to. Um, where I compromise some of the shit right. that's Im- important to me yes. or matters to me or I yeah. have strong feelings about because there's got to be a greater collective thing. Yes, yeah. definitely. Agreed. I, and, 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 and say what we will about Facebook and we both just, you know, spend an hour complaining about it, which it's, there's a lot to be, you know, we're having the dialogue. Yeah. The dialogue is there now. I, the, the dialogue I've been having with my black friends, like I have a a number of black friends now and we're talking about race in this country. And this is a conversation I've been wanting to have Mm -hmm. all my life, Mm -hmm. you know, and and we're having it. And we're talking about what is racism and we're talking about what is fascism, what is America, what are are our values, this Mm -hmm. is a, and and we piss each other off and yell and scream and get mad. But it's, 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 it's an exciting time to me because before you were talking about the bubble of VCU, I went to VCU very much a surf rat from Virginia Beach, got involved with a bunch of feminists, and they handed my ass to me because mm-hmm. I was a total clod, mm-hmm. and I deserved it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned a lot, um, and it opened my eyes to a lot of things. And I, and then I got a job in the trades, started going out and setting tile in Chesterfield. And really saw the bubble was not there. Right. There's no, you know, nothing existed outside of VCU, and now it does. Now, yeah. now that conversation has reached Chesterfield. You know, yeah. what is sexist behavior? What is racist behavior? Um, you know, and and I personally, it's yeah, it's upsetting and it's scary, but well, it's it's also, important. You know, you I guess you and I had similar experiences of having really strong women in our lives that sorted us out pretty early on you know oh or, yeah <laughs> and I, I married a feminist professor at vcu <laughs> and i i was getting it at elementary school oh you were like you know when when the kids from sanston come up to bellevue and they would oh, encourage really? me to do something and my mother's friends you know got wind of it through their daughters and yes. like they were, i was straightened out like yeah you know fifth grade fourth well, they, grade they, third they, grade <laughs> they were the ones who kept the but, neighborhood under control the moms mm-hmm. yeah yeah um I think one of the things that's selfish and difficult about me that I've got to open up to is that I'm watching people learn things that I already know, you know, and I I have to get patient with that. Like I've already had, I've been immersed in this shit in this town. Yes. I grew up in Churchill. I went to Richmond public schools and, you know, and, and and then I went to a predominantly female high school and, and then I've just been the underdog and the minority, like fucking everywhere I've gone. So I developed this attitude about it. I was like, I thought everybody was there but there's there's a lot of people that didn't have that experience a and then they're brand new people being born you know and they they only know what's you know what they know in their little neighborhood well we had punk rock you Mm -hmm. know we sorted out this stuff in our teens like Mm -hmm. (laughs) we had the dead kennedys we had um henry rollins we had all these influences and a channel for our rage you know we Mm -hmm. knew we were angry and it was like oh that's why these kids today, you know, mm. get my cane out and shake it. They don't have that. Mm. You know, like the whole generation after us, 
you know, we, t- we take some of the stuff for granted, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- there was also a, a way of being angry that, I don't know, it felt uh, more directed because of people like, you know, the, the punk rock heroes. Mm-hmm. And that it, it, first it felt like you, you got sort of, for lack of a better word, toughened up like uh mm. in in a uh, interaction a physical interaction with people at shows yeah maybe um yeah. <laughs> and so i feel like like some of what we're navigating we're, na- we're navigating the big issues but we're also navigating people's individual egos yeah. and True. don't step on don't don't hurt my feelings don't fuck with me and where yeah you know where are we because like i don't believe in like to say toughening up Necessarily, but I do believe it that never worked on me. <laughs> I was a very selfish kind of avoidant kid, yeah. you know. And my dad made me get a, a bricklaying job at one point, mm. and I got out of that as soon as possible. Good for you. And, and, I, and, and I avoided those kinds of things for a while. But when I went to Minnesota a few years ago, mm-hmm. there was no escape. I had to live in a house with uh, fourteen other guys, oh, and right. I had to practically bunk in an attic, wow. you know, with two other guys. And I had to really collide with other men yes. and that kind of fucking, you know, no, no, there's no way around it. And then I had to go work in a warehouse mm-hmm. and I won't say that I got toughened up, but my <laughs> sensitivity about my individual individuality right. got a little more right sized, right. you know, so that I'm trying to look at things objectively right. as I can, because it's not really about how you know my and i don't trust it's my not individual about fucking yeah take. it's not about me right yeah. right so that that's the the um the difficulty i have navigating some of these conversations is yeah. that I'm, are we talking about the thing are we talking about your thing right you know are you just being like are you grinding an axe because you got you know you're insecure you're fucking you feel impotent you personally have a pro- like and I, this is not you of course not <laughs> You, you can, you can you unload on me. Obvious. I can take it. No, no, I mean, I'm just the general. No, I see. No, I get it. I'm not yeah. sure what the fuck we're talking about. Having this dialogue, having the dialogue and, and, and trying to, you know, remain um, responsible for our side of the street, you know, mm-hmm. and also, you know, there are, you're going to, we're going to step on toes and, um, I guess it's just person to person, really. I mean, shit. I like this stuff more. I think I, I did not invite you here intentionally because <laughs> we've this. I've, I've invited you here because I'm interested and see that you wrote this book, and I've always wanted to know more about you. But I think I need to pick more people that I have found disagreement with on there. If and that's if that's where you want your podcast to go, sure. Well, it's not. You know, it is. It's it's very. These, but this is the pivotal. You know, this mm-hmm. is this is the most important. I agree. This is the most important thing we need to be talking about today. You know, mm-hmm. some of this stuff. Yeah, and I gotta I gotta keep growing. I mean, I think that's the thing that people get to be our age, and we're just like, there is some aspect of the Archie Bunker that comes into us where we're like, I want it to stay where I'm comfortable. Right. I want my version of the status quo. Yeah. You know. Yeah, we did this in the '80s and '90s. Now it's cool. I just want to relax. Yeah. You well, know, yeah. I mean, well, get... we're supposed to be coming into our own at this point. Um, but, the, you know, it's not like it was for our parents. You know, mm-hmm. we might have to, I might have to go get another warehouse job, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's just the way it is. Yes, well, that 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 economic reality of it, but like, where do we stand? You know, because you and I have access to people half our age that we're yes. having interactions with on a you know regular basis, and yeah. we would have been more segregated, I think. You know, um, and our parents would have been more segregated or more separate from yeah. having. I mean, I'm having, I'm interacting across many generations yeah, on yeah, a regular yeah. basis, yes. and and. You know, I guess knowing to play, to recognize that there, to some degree, you're in a elder statesman. <laughs> I guess <laughs> ish. Yeah, yeah. Kind of middle, like, definitely middle aged. <laughs> there's to some degree, like uh, my mom said to me the other day when she was asking me once again how to like get YouTube back open on her computer. Yeah. I was getting a little impatient with her, and yes. she was like, "When you were little, and I had to tell you <laughs> yes. things more than once." Yes, you know, and it's. I think that's the I, I got I guess that's where I, some of what's a problem for me like well we we you and I are generation X and mm-hmm. I've I've read a couple of articles it's like we're the we're just the oddballs you know yeah. we're sort of sandwiched between the millennials and the baby boomers and and we're and we're just the odd man out and I don't know exactly what that means but I've I've heard it a couple times that you know um, well it almost feels like it's what's even though the mediums and the conversations are different. They're happening in a different place. When I was 20 and 21, things were pretty fucking volatile yes. um, in LA and lots yes. of parts of the country. Yes. And, you know, hip hop was a, a extremely like scary element yes. in our culture. And things were very volatile and very intense. And um, yeah. I remember seeing fuck the fuck the police shirts on the streets of Richmond. Yeah. Being like, oh boy, you know. Is it's I mean, is this different or is this another cycle, the next cycle of it? Like you know, late sixties is one cycle, then you know I don't know, there's something happened in that twenty year interim between Yeah. <laughs> um but I I I feel like with Black Lives Matter, Colin Copernic, I feel like we're in the middle of a civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. That's just my personal take on it. But the the thing that has to change is not the legislation's already there. So now it's like, how do we ensconce the values behind the civil rights movement in humanity it's, so that it is taught over and over again? Because it's already a law, right? You know, right? So right, what the right. fuck? Like, well, you know how we're doing it, how, yeah. having this conversation, like they did in the '60s. They had a lot of conversations. They a lot of made a lot of music. And then I guess they just snorted. And too we much. just will lose the fucking thread. Well, if, but if, you, know, you know we're not going to do a bunch of coke like they did in the seventies. You know why? You don't <laughs> got like, any? I thought. You... <laughs> but I mean, I think that's. I was talking to you know Summer, my girlfriend. We were talking. I was like, "What happened to the sixties? Why did it die? Why did it peter out?" And the only thing we could come up with is they just kept on partying into the seventies, did a lot of coke, and it all became about me, me, me. I think that's true. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the big chill sort of like illustrates it oh you know yeah so some, thought of that. some people <laughs> god <exactly>. damn you alan alda <laughs> sell out <laughs> As, i mean some i think some of it's that that some of it is that people got i mean they basically were fucking addicts you know everybody yes. got really sick on yes. you know doing heroin and coke and, and all kinds of shit devastated the inner cities you mm-hmm. know yeah but i think another aspect of it is kind of what's happened to me a little bit is like i see my twilight you know coming right and like 
I already have a hard time yeah. doing some shit because of my lower back. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm starting to go, I need to get some fucking nuts in the tree. Yeah, yeah, totally. winter is coming. Totally. And How am I going to feed these kids? Yeah. yeah, you start worrying about that, and then you find yourself sliding into your daddy's slippers, you know, mm -hmm. the status quo thing. You know, oh, I'd be, you start caring about I'd jump your, up and down for a, a fucking middle class um, income with a little house in the suburbs, you know, I'd be into that, I guess. For a minute, I don't know. <laughs> it, that, but that, once you start getting that shit, like right. then you got that shit to lose, right? And and, then, and and that level of security is no longer there. There's no pensions. There's no retirement. You know, mm -mm. there's mm -hmm. not. And then and there's also a lot going on to threaten even the what the degree to which people have managed to get there. Yes. And so I think they start yes. voting their wallets, not their principles. You know, like they start going. Oh sure, well, sure, sure. Yeah. You know. And, yeah. And that, so that I think that happened. That seems to me what happened in the to the people, the the kids of the '60s. You know, they were a lot of them were fucking suburban yeah. kids, and then and they actually grew up in that McCarthy or Eisenhower yeah. kind of tract housing, like the time when the society was really engineered. Yes, and they fuck and by advertising and, and all. I mean, I, to me, that was fascist. Like it was fashion oh, the 50s? based fascism. Yeah, sure. You know, but there was McCarthy the private sector was making everybody into a fucking uh an, you an know individual. A propaganda poster. Yeah, yeah. Our we we didn't have political propaganda posters. We had magazine ads yes. that showed us the what we were supposed to look like, like the, and how we were supposed to dress. Like to buy the world of Coke. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so people re they rebelled against that. Yeah. You know? But then Well in the war, you know, Vietnam. Then yes, yeah. And then they got then they missed the bosom of that weird uh, brainwashed indoctrinated like 50s thing and they kind of wanted to go back to it i think, think? in a yeah. weird way i think that might have been the big drug maybe so. or they died them. or they died <laughs> yeah but they didn't all go away some of them just kept on going with the you know kept writing and kept yes you know yeah the yep yeah thompson never no never hung it up um, Until he all ate the beat po ate a lot a of the, yeah yeah the beat poets out in um, Berkeley those guys mm -hmm. they still kept kept at you know the dead kept at it Allen um, Ginsberg kept at it and he was he was a predis you know he was like came out of right he's beat yeah fifties and yeah well it is interesting I was listening to Patton Oswalt of all people on Fresh Air yesterday oh, and yeah. he was like you know what's happening with friends of mine and what's happening like you know i guess he's at referencing louis ck without naming him oh, yeah. and all of this kind of shit he's like i didn't believe this i didn't believe this shit was really happening to black people that they were just getting almost you know randomly shot at traffic stops i didn't believe that was happening now yeah. i believe it i didn't believe the sex you know harassment situation was that bad I, now I believe it. I'm yeah. uncomfortable with the, you know, it, that it, it has, it challenges what I thought I already knew. Yeah. But that now I know I'm growing, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I find it more harder to grow at 47 than I did at 25. Like it's, it's a little more challenging <laughs> to yeah. me, you know, cause I am trying to get some fucking ducks in a row. Well, what is yeah. it? It's like another growth, another fucking growth opportunity, you know? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, great. Another fucking growth opportunity. What, that's an anagram for something, right? I don't know what the anagram. I just heard it in the you know twelve step programs before. Right. Um, I, I, I try. I hope that. Okay, like my kid, my fifteen year old. He sends me music. I talk to him about music. We've been talking about music since he was little. I hope that I'm like fifty, sixty years old, and we're still having this conversation mm -hmm. about music. You know, it just. 
you know. That's Hank, right? Yeah, Hank. I follow him on Instagram. And I think oh, we're yeah. friends on Facebook. Too. He's like a character. He's he's a great kid, you know, and and I and and I worry that you know, God, what is he? What must he think about all of this? You know, mm-hmm. um, but it, it's I don't know. You got to go your own way anyway. They told us we got to go to college and you got to get a career. And we said, fuck that, I'm going to go to art school. Mm -hmm. Um, And now look at, you know, those careers, are they there anymore? I don't know. Um, You know, and well, it is a scam. I mean, yeah, well, it's a way to keep us. And if, you know, I'll get, hey, man, you know, for a second, it's a way that they keep, keep, what is the, oh, geez. It's a, it's a way to keep you going after the apple you yeah. know the apple yeah. in front of the, the, the in front of the, right, donkey. the mule or right yeah you keep going for the the next be- next bigger house the next promotion mm-hmm. and then um and i know i'm not going to talk bad about my parents but like my dad just retired and god bless him, he doesn't know what to do with himself you know and i know several other guys at the same age they they retire and they don't have a fucking clue what they're supposed to do with their lives if i <laughs> if i didn't have to work again i could keep very busy you know, I got a lot of stuff I want to do. I want to quit my job and just do this shit and fucking, you know. Right. Um, I can't. I know, because we got to eat. Because we got to eat. We got to <laughs> keep the mortgage paid. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You know, they did. I, I didn't get out of college into a career, but I, I am glad I got that damn VCU diploma. Yes. Because it matters to some people when I'm trying to do this other shit that I fell into. Sure. Like I had no intention of being in marketing and or any of the crap that I'm doing uh-huh. now, but not, I found my way into it through this total like series of misadventures. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But it's good that I have that piece of paper to give me some well, credibility. And, but it, <laughs> and and it, I'm sure informs what you're doing now. You know, mm-hmm. I'm the well, same. Like I'm gonna tell Hank. You know, some days I'm like, do I tell him to go to college? Do I tell him to fuck it? You know, does it matter? And I think. Like I went to grad school for poetry and my parents were like, what is wrong with you? You know, and and as much as I had to unlearn, I dropped out halfway through, I hated it. As much as I had to unlearn everything I did, I learned there, it it it, it informed everything that went did into this book. Did you unlearn it? Probably not. <laughs> I, I remember my, Marky Mark, before he was an actor, when yeah. he was still like the funky bunch yeah, or whatever, yeah, yeah. he was like on something and he's like, man, if I could tell anybody anything, I'd tell him to go to college so you can learn how to manipulate these motherfuckers out there. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, the reality of that to me is that when I started my life over again as a cashier making eight bucks an hour yeah. in a warehouse, yeah, I had the critical thinking skills and the training to to see uh, uh, envision something even coming from there yes like i could picture a path out of being the cashier and, yeah. I, and i focused my attention on that instead of on partying and all the things that i had focused it on in the past yes getting girls whatever i was like i'm out here literally in the wilderness in the fucking hinterlands in the tundra <laughs> i got no backing anymore i fucked up Nobody's, minnesota yeah minnesota <laughs> nobody is sending me any money nobody cares mm. and like now i've got to turn all of this shucking and jiving creativity and you know hustle that yeah. i used to get over to feed yourself into yes <laughs> actually feeding myself and doing this job they're paying me to do yeah i suddenly realized wait a minute these are people like me they're paying somebody to do something i should do the thing they're paying me to do yeah. while i'm here yeah and i th- i think 
I think the college education helped me see that, even though it didn't have any direct yes. application there. Yes. It was like, you know, see, having a goal, seeing a seeing a pathway to the goal. Yeah. You know, yeah. maybe even like learning how to write an essay. Well, and like, yes. You know, to be able to organize, organize, to be able to organize your thoughts well enough. Like if on Facebook, if I get into a, a, a back and forth with somebody and they come at me with one of those like run on sentences that go for like a whole mm-hmm. page, I'm like, I'm not talking to you. Mm-hmm. We can't, we can't right. have a dialogue. You cannot organize your thoughts coherently enough to have a back and forth. You know? Well, that does, that is the thing that was, I was talking about before is that we've got like you, you probably learned what I learned that appeals to emotion are not sound logic. Right. You know, like Ideally, I actually took yeah. logic as a class. Yeah. Propositional logic, which is like a math class. Yeah. And they're like, just that, because yeah. you can ad hominem attacks are bullshit. Right. You've succeeded. No, not at all. Right. In advancing whatever argument you were trying to make or whatever idea you have. Yes. There, you know, there are all of these forms of fallacious reasoning or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I learned that because I actually wanted to be able to write better Right. essays right right because <laughs> i wasn't very good at organizing I, you know i had a bunch of different ideas i'd start writing and my professors would always say this has a fresh out of the word processor feel uh. to it because i i really wasn't very good at i knew i had a point to make but i didn't know how to organize it. yeah well it gives you yeah. a language mm-hmm. like all right so like the book you know i got this job on these trucks and i wasn't driving and i was so used to being like i was doing carpentry before i was so used to being like an active participant and you know, we'd get done with our tickets by noon and had to sit around in a park somewhere till three. You know, I didn't have a driving position. My position was to help and to stay the fuck out of the way. Mm-hmm. So I realized, and I learned this from, from the program, the, you know, the 12-step the, uh, programs, of basically, you know, my higher power wanted me to sit still and be watchful, yeah. be mindful of my surroundings. And so that's where the book kind of came from. I was... I was I was forced to sit still, you know, in my own brain and not go crazy and just take in the city and what was happening around me. And um, the program gave me the idea, you know, the idea of it's not about me. Um, And as as from an artistic point, I've always felt like an artist is a conduit. Mm -hmm. You know, he sees he or she sees his surroundings and then either reflects it back or puts it down on paper or mm-hmm. on, on on canvas and and um and grad school and undergrad school, you know gave me the language mm-hmm. um which i could um and and like go into painting you know i learned as much about poetry from javier tapia my painting instructor as i did from um liz king my sculpture professor as i did from you know larry levis or any number of the you know Gary Sanji, any of the poets at, at VC, it's it all just sort of sort of rolled together in a ball of um, you know uh, of description mm-hmm. of, of of a way of looking at the world and and interpreting it and basically um, yeah in that way I probably would not have written a book mm-hmm. if I hadn't had that some of that so. So it's useful, but maybe you don't need to go to fucking Harvard or someplace expensive. You know? I don't know. I guess I mean, it depends on what you VC want. VC was cheap when we went there. Yeah. You know, it was real cheap. Yeah. It's not that cheap now. No, it's not and even that's adjusted the, for inflation. It's that's, right. That's the other thing. There, It's a resort. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah. <laughs> that's and that's how they get the. Yeah, that gym is out of control. I've been. I was going there for a while. The Carry Street Gym when I went there was like mm-hmm. three. Yeah. Life cycles in a basketball court, right, like this right. little shitty weight room. Right. But that's like that's how colleges compete one or the other. Is mm-hmm. how much of a resort is it for the kids to to go there and have like a, a lifestyle? Yeah. You know. Which wasn't what I was seeking at all. I went to VCU is actually. And this, I mean, I was thinking about this the other day because I didn't feel like I fit. I mean, that's also our, our yeah. brain, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't feel like I fit in, in the Richmond Public Schools. Sure. And my neighborhood. Sure. Churchill back then. Um, or Bellevue. Then I, Did you say you lived in Bellevue I, for a while? I, well, I went to the school Bellevue up in oh, Churchill. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, so I lived in I lived in what is now the you know the desirable part of Churchill, but oh, it wasn't no, north then. Of, yeah. South of um, Broad Street. Yeah, t- uh, Grace and Twenty Eighth is. Oh, my okay. Parents, my parents are still there. Oh wow. Um, I was in my uh, you know I was one of a few kids that looked like me in those classes mm-hmm. and in the school and yeah um, and then I went to Marymount and it was a, a mm-hmm. totally different kind of culture shock. <laughs> I you know I was I didn't fit in there either even yeah. though I was the same color as all of them but I wasn't the same sex and I wasn't the same socioeconomic background. Yeah yeah. You know I was from the other side of the tracks and VCU when I got there mm-hmm. I was like finally people are just like they didn't care if I was wearing my uh, LL Bean duck boots with a <laughs> right. fucking bomber leather bomber right, jacket. Right, right. They, they used to call me Duck Rock instead of punk. <laughs> you know, and awesome. they just accepted me. Those remember those guys that lived on Laurel, like uh, there were Eddie Williams and like uh, Paul, and there was this whole crew that lived in the first block of Laurel. I there. probably my sister befriended all of them. They were little. Yeah. But I mean, I felt really accepted at VC. Yeah. That was the big thing. Is that like it didn't matter what I wore or yeah. like what my hair looked like, and I kind of where I was from. Right, right, right. That. And, yeah, yeah. And that's what I, I mean, that. They, the misfits. Yeah. Yeah. Biggest education for me in that school. I mean, I got a good education that I won. I fought for mm-hmm. there because the curriculum really didn't, wasn't going there. But I took every fucking literature class they offered. Oh, really? And, yeah. And art classes, you know, like Carline and. Oh, um, oh God, he was awesome. Yeah. He was amazing. But it was being in that little bubble in the middle of the city that was like not Richmond. It was this whole other. Place, yeah, Richmond you know? that you knew. Yeah, that's yeah. the only Richmond I knew, and it was still like gritty and grimy, and people died and got you know, killed. Yes, um, people fell off roofs a lot. Yeah, <laughs> drunk, got robbed, got you know pistols stuck in their faces, got you know bashed with a pipe for them. Like, you know, used to be pretty. Yeah, it was pretty. Yeah, it pretty was scary. Yeah, and Richmond was number two. Yeah. Uh, murder per capita. Right. After Detroit at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, on that note, man, <laughs> Murder City. Yeah, man. That's Thanks for coming over. I yeah, really had a good thanks time. for having me. I did too. All right. Oh, that's the wrong mouse. Can't be grabbing the wrong mouse, man. I just tried to grab the wrong mouse and it bit me. Uh, can't stand it. Please, 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 let me, let me, let me get what I want this time. Yeah, right. I've got what I want a lot. I was just telling somebody the other day that whenever uh, whenever I've got a couple of things going on, you know, like maybe I'm, you know, just dating a few people, dating one, two, three, maybe three people, I start going, well, I don't, I want to be monogamous. I only want to be with one person, so... 
I pick one and I, 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 you know, close off the other ones. I always pick the wrong one. I always pick the one that doesn't want me. It's so sad. I was just thinking, it's so sad. I didn't want you to go. Poor little Curtis. Uh, anyway, yeah, like I said before, in the beginning, I feel better already. Poor, just, to, just to voice it. Just to let it out. And uh, I encourage you to do the same, you know. Um, nobody, very few of us are getting what we want out of this world right now or from other people. And I think we've been sold in a very unrealistic bill of goods that we're supposed to. That we just get to order shit from Amazon and it comes in a couple of days and we can return it if we don't like it. We've been, we've been, the ego, you know, the selfishness, the self-centered ego, the idea that we are all entitled to some magical tale. I mean, it's, you know, it's partly a cultural thing that has, that's in there, you know, the, the, Western United States thing that we're all like a cowboy on our own fucking journey that we're all uh, we're all the hero of our own story but I think even more than ever that's being sold to us I mean the idea that every single one of us is entitled to have some two-bit fucking opinion on social media about every little thing that happens oh my god I shudder these days when Okay, so Trump says shithole countries, and then everybody in my feed has to have something to say about that. I don't care, all right? I don't care about your fucking jokes, your comments, and all of this stuff. I'm over it. I don't know, man. I I know that sounds fucking shitty, but that's just honest. I, I scroll through that thing, and I'm just like, who cares? Who cares what your take on this is? We're all required to share our fucking take. Just take me out to the ball game. I'm done. Adios for now.